Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we uh, watch the films that my co-host missed in his childhood. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by said co-host Eric. Hey everybody. And uh, we've got a guest this week, don't we Eric? Yeah we do. We've got the man who inspired the entire podcast series in the first place. (laughs) Uh, My ex-housemate who just could not believe how much cinema I'd missed. Um, Simon, welcome. Hello. We need some like sweet sound effects post production to you yeah. put in the now, right? Just put in the now. Just, now. Woo! <laughs> yeah. just crowds yeah. going wild. Yeah. One from um, Arrested Development where um, he dives in for the home run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, Simon's in because um, yeah, when I was uh, we were living together for a, few, for a few years, you just could not believe the sheer magnitude of classic films I hadn't seen, and no matter how many times I reminded you I hadn't seen next films. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it was normally almost every night after dinner, putting on something something on Netflix, and like, you didn't see that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Into this podcast was born. No, it's, it's been the, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm. So I'm actually finally seeing them all. So. Yeah. Well, more importantly, uh, we got a double feature episode this week. Yeah, we should probably tell everyone what this one is and why Simon's on. So this week we're watching um, Back to the Future 2 and 3. Are we back? We're back. Future? October 21st, 2015. Future. I gotta check this out, Doc. The time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. But they'll all be back. Eat lead slackers! Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd. Michael J. Fox. More like a couple of teenagers, you know? And Michael J. Fox. Mom, is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future. Gotta get back in time. Part 2. Lovely. (laughs) I think these movies, if, if you were to put them on mute, I could almost say every single piece of dialogue yeah I think I've, I've seen them that many times love it I'm, I'm in that same boat as well these uh were huge huge films for me as a kid um i think the first time i saw the first one would have been like i think probably right when number two and three were coming out in cinemas even i i'm pretty sure i saw number three in the cinema because that's 1990 mm. so yep. yeah um, but yeah, these were like, my mum was a huge fan. So it just was like, you need to watch this. Yeah, Robert <laughs> yeah. Zemeckis is the boss. Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, he hadn't done all that much no. before these. So yeah, this is kind of. His... It's just so much adventure. Yeah. The whole series, the whole trilogy. Sorry. It's just so much adventure. Just at the start of every movie when the, uh, the doodle doodle starts, I just, <sighs> I just get the shivers. It, this is my <laughs> favourite score mm. to a film ever as well. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, it's one I'm definitely, like it popped on the other day, I was trying to do some study and um, mm. and I put on a movie, movie themes one and um, it just kicked in. I'm like, ooh, what a I, playlist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm revved up now. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I'd heard like Harry Potter and Jurassic Park and they were getting me pretty excited, but mm. then this came on as well. I'm like, 
I, I just need to get up to 88 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, I felt the need for speed. Um, <laughs> we, we should say you have seen the first one. I have, hence why we're, we're not going through that one. I, that I was super delayed on as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw the first one for the first time maybe five years ago or something. Yep. And I, yeah, I did rewatch it um, mm-hmm. recently, so I'm, I'm up to speed, but definitely don't know it that well. I think I've only seen it three times maybe mm. um probably only two even yeah and <laughs> so I'm not an expert but yeah. uh, when i finally saw it i'm like oh why didn't i see this as a child yep <laughs> well when did you first see these films? Oh, very early on yeah probably mid 90s i think mm-hmm. or early 90s but oh just the first one with the uh the intro of doc and the delorean and everything you can never forget it. Yeah. It was just, and it, just incredible. Yeah, I just found it as soon as I saw the first one, it just held up. In, I'm just like, this is fantastic. And that, that's why we put two and three, like we put sequels into our first batch of films yeah. because the first one was so good. I'm like, I need to finish this this trilogy off. And, and I think as well, like two and three have bled into pop culture and just the kind of zeitgeist as much as number one. Well, I mean, it, it's similar to like Indiana Jones and the original star Wars films in the sense mm. of you just view them almost as one entity. Exactly right. Like, um, Sean Connery was in all three, wasn't he? He certainly was. <laughs> in my mind, at yeah. least. <laughs> so, like, I mean, for me, like, going into the first one, I didn't, I didn't know the storyline much at all, and I'm like, I wonder if the hoverboard's in this one. Nope, it's not. Well, I know it's in the second one. <laughs> well, that, well, that's a good point. What do you know, or, and I guess, what are you expecting uh, from two and three? What I'm expecting... I, I remember I'd seen the hoverboard scene. For yep. some reason, I, I, I don't know why. Maybe um, someone had it on. It was on TV. So I've seen that scene. So, But that, I don't really recall much else except that Biff was in it again. So I'm basically just expecting, very similar to the first one, I'm expecting to go forwards in time in the second one. Um... Same town, probably same same set, <laughs> just mm-hmm. modernised. Because yeah. from memory, he hoverboards like you know over the around the fountain or whatever, um, and then whatever wacky zany something to do with his kids, according to the end of the first film. And then the third one, I know I've seen like Wild West images, so I'm assuming okay. they go way back in time. But potentially they do a whole like Chrono Trigger thing and go across like multiple eras. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm assuming once again, maybe if it's Wild West, they go back to the founding of the town or something like that. I'm expecting same location, same characters. Like I'm assuming Biff will be in it. <laughs> in all three, like yeah. I'm just picturing the same characters. I'm uh, hoping um, Marty Marty Senior. What's his dad's name again? Oh. Uh, 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 George McFly. That's it, George. I, I just, I just kept wanting to say Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> it is um, just Crispin. <laughs> yeah, so I'm expecting them all, all just to come back for all three and just be like themselves, but like era specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see though in number two, like is Crispin Glover in it again? It's in the future. Will he be Marty's kid this time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Quite. Yeah. So we'll, what will they do with actors and stuff? So um, all I know also is a freeze frame from the end of the third film with a little creepy child on the train. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to yeah. we'll get to the creepy child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know that image, but that's about it. And that's why I know the Wild West sort of setting, or at least the colonial setting. So. Alrighty. Well, on that note, should we jump in and? Uh... Yeah, let's let's go Why for not? it. Let's do it. Alrighty. Alrighty. So, 
four hours later, that's uh, Back to the Future Ooh. 2 and 3. That needed to be done as a double. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it was great. Could you imagine what it would be like being like in the cinema in 1989 at the end of that second one and being like, what? I have to wait a year? What? <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought. Like, going from number one to number two, there was sort of like no context. Yeah. Apart from when, when Doc rocked up and, you know, he comes out of the car, but... Going from two to three, you have full context. Yeah. So, well, it's because there wasn't actually ever planned a, a planned sequel. It was just, we're going to do a standalone movie, and it's like, oh, this is this fun little tag at the end that yeah. makes it kind of fun. And, like, Zemeckis has, like, very openly said, like, there was no plan for the sequel, because if there was, I wouldn't have had Jennifer in the car, because that's just yeah. kind of... They had to do something with her. So we're going to make her... Go into a coma? She saw herself, <laughs> and then we're gonna ditch her on a porch. Wait a minute, we're just gonna leave her here on the porch. The disorientation will help convince her that it was all a dream. <laughs> In a very violent she neighborhood. Spends, she spends the majority of the two, second two films unconscious. Yeah. yeah thanks to Doc. Mm. An induced coma. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we get too kind of deep into them, I guess, uh, Eric, first time seeing them, your initial impressions. Yeah, like Sim said, it's just an adventure. Um, they were just like the first one is just so well put together and enjoyable and the characters are great and the next two just carry it through they yeah. build on it but they don't go too wild um, in terms of trying to add in heaps of wacky characters that just work with what they've got and the, the core characters just change and oh, I don't know it was great yeah <laughs> well how do you guys want to do this should we just focus on part two first uh, could we, I think we can go through part yeah, two yeah. and then part three and then yeah. sort of draw it all together no sounds good so you were you kind of nailed it with like future like obviously knowing it went to the future and stuff mm. but were you expecting like inception no, no <laughs> like I the wasn't. idea of yeah the, the layers yeah <laughs> and the um no, I, I did not expect them, and it was really well done, actually. I did not expect them to go back to the, um, the 80s and then the 50s. Hmm. Um, did the chalkboard help? <laughs> the chalkboard helped a tiny bit. Prior to this point in time, somewhere in the past, the timeline skewed into this tangent, creating an alternate 1985. <laughs> well, weirdly, Carl Sagan, like, considers... Oh, like, you know, before he passed away, he considered Back to the Future 2 to be, like, the best time travel movie ever because it actually dealt... With like alternate timelines, like fractured, like yeah. the nonlinear aspect of it, and like paradoxes that arise, and <laughs> and it's just put it a, a, I mean, it would have blown a few children's minds. Yeah. Uh, well, the cutbacks to the first one when he's looking at himself from the distance. Yeah. Well, the first time I saw that, oh, it was incredible. It's it's one of those great sequels that like does something different, I guess, like in terms of like, ah, oh, we're doing a sequel. Or, all right, well, let's just go back into the first film and, like, see it from different angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. It kind of deconstructs what you expect of a sequel, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really, yeah, expect it to go to the 50s, but as soon as it did, I'm like, oh, this opens up so many opportunities. Yeah. You can can revisit the characters, like the principal and um, and Biff and things like that. You can see a little bit of extra footage, and then you can re-watch footage from different angles Mm. or just reuse footage. Yeah, and Um, then have interactions with the first film and like yep. yeah it's great mm. <laughs> so inventive <laughs> yeah like even um even him knocking himself out with the door yeah that's oh. what I, yeah <laughs> um but I guess like 
the future. How how do you guys find uh, the futuristic world of twenty fifteen? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, as um, oh, I can't remember which Australian hip hop artist sang about it. Was a draft or something? He wanted the hoverboard. Yeah, I mean I know you've been missing. No hoverboards, just seems a bit sweet. I got a brand new computer and a big screen. I guess Back to the Future was a dictate. Future was that was promised to us is some things are lacking, like yeah. hoverboards. No, I I liked it. I just they just. Once again, just gave you the very familiar town square, worked in and around it, the 80s cafeteria. Yeah. Um, I think it, it works well to not necessarily focus on a future world. And, like, you've got that big set piece in the town square, like, mm. that is wonderfully mimicking the kind of town square sequence of yep. Chase from the first film. Like, which ends up becoming a massive theme for the like, cyclical <laughs> nature. I don't know if that's them like commenting on like the cyclical nature of time or not. Oh, well, or, yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> but yeah. they, they do well to kind of move it away from an exploration of the future world itself and draw it back into Marty, his yeah. issues, that's take right. it into the home and back to the characters that we know, like yep. bring back in George and, and Lorraine. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you said that because for the first 20 minutes when I went into the future... I was trying my best to look at all the nitty-gritty details. Yeah. Just just for fun. Um, and the only thing that I noticed that was really blatantly obvious when when they are uh, when they were hiding hiding her in, in what was it next to the garbage yeah, bin? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were they were throwing out these CDs, but they were as big as vinyl. They were like oh, laser discs or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, geez, they got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but then they got PayPass technology right. Yeah, and like the keyless entry with like the thumb pad yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah no, it was and it was... the retractable retractable ceiling like plants. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, and that FaceTime. Yeah, actually, <laughs> oh, that's FaceTime, a good point. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, but mm. yeah, that was um, no, the, the future world was good, and yeah, but I liked that. Like, yeah, old Biff was there. Oh, and then the way that so that good. sort of you know obviously interacted back and then changed that who was an integral part of the plot mm. um, and then led back into young Biff etc. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird thing like rewatching these again. That I mean, everyone always jumps to Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, but I, I, I'm kind of a cheerleader for Thomas Wilson as Biff and yeah. Griff and Mad <laughs> <Every character laughs> Dog. Like, Full commitment. Yeah. yeah he, goes for it and owns every character he does like I, I did actually make a little list of these ones because I, as I was watching oh well basically he plays Grandpa Biff <laughs> he plays Griff future Biff yep um, he plays <laughs> his Biff's grandson Gran, Biff's grandson Griff um, he plays a casino owning oh, yeah. 80s alternate Biff he plays Trump Biff Trump Biff yeah <laughs> he goes back and plays 50s Biff even angrier than the first time <laughs> Yeah. Um, he plays 80, 1880s Mad Dog Tannen. Oh. Mad Dog Tannen. And then um, he plays 19, that 1980s version of himself with Buffs Cars. Yeah, the n- <laughs> nuded Biff. Yeah, nuded Biff. <laughs> but like, as I was watching it, I'm like, man, he's just such an amazing jerk. And yeah, so is he one of the best movie villains ever? Kind of, I like, think. As I was watching that scene where he takes the kid's ball. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> just meanness for yeah. like, it's, it's that thing of I guess 
all I can think of is we've seen Griff in like 2015, and he's such an over the top mm. cartoon villain yep. that like we're watching it, and Claire mentioned like he's just so annoying. Yes, yeah, <laughs> as like a character, and then we go back to the original Biff, and it's is it. The film tried to remind us of, like, how bad this guy is, but it's so bad. <laughs> and then, like, just the way he talks about how he's going to own Lorraine and yeah. then borderline assaults her in the streets. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this... Oh. It's getting a bit creepy. It's yeah. so and It's creepy. a reoccurring thing over movies as well. He's mm. always assaulting him. And, um, yeah, his performance and delivering that consistent, nasty character no matter what setting. And even though it's, like, cartoonishly done at times, you're just like, oh... You're like a comedic Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> and the best thing is, like, um, he's actually, like, the furthest from that in real life. Uh, oh, Tom really? Wilson, he's, like, a singer and a stand-up comedian and, like, supposed to be, like, the nicest guy ever. <laughs> wow. And then he's just like, yeah, this is, like, is this the part? And, like, yeah, you want a hug? <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. I guess we'll talk, talk about that. Oh, we might as well talk about it now since we're talking about him. Like... Like Donald Trump version of him. Yeah. Oh, like, that's that's what's kind of like now watching it in 2018. You're like, okay, you kind of might have gotten some, <laughs> some 85 stuff more correct than the 2015 stuff. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like, yeah, 50s him. He's just awful. Mm. Um, and then the 1880s version, I guess, is in a way the least awful because it's like, ah, he's just a, he's just a Wild West villain. Yeah, he's just a... It, it's going that kind of Griff ca- uh, territory again where it's just going over-the-top cartoony. Yeah. He's drooling in a lot of scenes. Yeah. But it's just delivered really consistently yeah. and well. And, mm. Yeah. But did you... It's kind of hard to... There are two sequels that are so, I think original and different from the first film. Yeah. Like, it, it's taking this this universe and these characters and actually just ex- properly expanding it yes. and doing something different, which is, like, kind of rare to see. Well, I, I, I got a bit of a... Like, yeah, they're, they're expanded upon so well it becomes a universe, and so mm. I got a bit of a Star Wars-y feel mm. because it's a progressive storyline, ultimately. Yeah. And the second one is quite dark in a way. So oh, it's got yeah. a bit of a, you know, it's got that standard middle film Empire Strikes Back kind of feel. And then you got, like, seems with the Wild West one, you get the adventure of that one. That's oh. a bit more Jedi-ish. That's very true, actually. <laughs> like, as I was watching it, and we, you brought it up at the start, I'm, I was just watching it, I'm like, the second one felt so dark when they went back to the alternate yeah. um, alternate 80s. Well, yeah, can we speak to the darkness of it, I guess, at this point? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, that world that they go back to where Griff is Donald Trump, basically. And, and murdered George McFly? Yeah. Like, it's... It and gets... he's possessed, like, he's owned Lorraine and, like, Oh, I gave her some awful fake breasts. Yeah. And... yeah. You were the one who wanted me to get these, these things. If you want them back, you're going to have them. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really quite dark, and it's out of the control, and they realise that by going into the future, time that's the movie where they realise time travel isn't fun in games. Yeah. Time travel is mucking with people's It, it actually has consequences yeah. and stuff, which is... Uh, Kind of fun seeing, like, when it gets to the third one, the kind of them trying to come to terms with that again. Like, even in the face of, like, Doc falling in love and stuff. It's yeah. it's, it's really interesting progression yeah. of characters, I guess. It, it, for a little bit, it almost reminded me of that movie, The Butterfly Effect. Oh, yeah. Ah. Where he realises that the only way to, like, he is the flaw in the universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we won't spoil that one for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, but did you guys find it dark when you were younger? I Not. found number two dark. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. 
going from the fun of number one, yeah. I remember expecting number two to be equally as fun. Yeah. But then it's adventurous, all right, but it all goes wrong. Yeah. It sort of goes wrong for Marty in the first film, but at least it's it's fun. Yeah. But number two. Oh. No, number one, you know it's going to end okay because of the title of the film. Mm. Like, yeah. it's... And you've, you've got George, young George McFly. He's just he's just goofy oh. and sort of laughing it off borderline and stuff. Yeah. And, and Marty's kind of... Needless to say, Rick and Morty again, he's Tiny Rick, basically. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a new kid in school for some reason. Yeah, he's just kind of fac- helping, like, facilitate all of this. Yeah. He's like that vessel. Yeah. I was just thinking, you mentioned George before. So he is in number two, but he arrives upside down and at the front door. And it's not Crispin Glover. So it's not him. I was wondering if there was something up there. Um... <laughs> Crispin Glover actually sued the filmmakers. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a giant thing, like a back and forth, in that Crispin Glover wanted more money to come back and apparently wanted script approval. What? <laughs> which, like, Zemeckis and Bob Gale, the writer and producer, yeah. were just like, no. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. then they re- wrote a new draft where George McFly is murdered <laughs> essentially not in the film wow. um, but then apparently they didn't actually get permission to use his likeness in oh. terms of like reusing the footage from the first films and things and so yeah Crispin Glover ended up suing um, Universal Studios <laughs> and everyone involved and what did he he got it was settled out of court for seven hundred and. $65,000 Wow! by Universal's insurance company. Uh, they decided it would be cheaper to just pay Crispin off <laughs> than yeah. actually go to trial. And uh, because of that, the Screen Actors Guild have subsequently introduced new rules about the illicit use of likenesses. You acted for Back to the Future. Yes. You didn't agree to do two and three. That's right. But they still put you in it. Because they chopped up bits and pieces. Well, it's not just that. They put another actor into prosthetics from molds they had of my face from the original film. And they had the they interspliced that actor's performance with small portions of myself. Which you had done to for make the first it, film. For the first yeah. film. But to make it look like you were doing a performance that you hadn't done. That's right. To fool audiences into believing that I was in the film. This is what my, my lawsuit was about, copyright infringement. And uh, they owned, you know, the character that they wrote, but they didn't own me. They didn't own my face. And, and as a result of, and as, as I understand, as a result yes. of that, it is now lo- no longer possible for a, for a movie company to do that. So that's right. Screen Actors Guild has rules that make it so that actors and directors are not allowed to do that. So I'm, I'm proud of that I, I stood up up for that and that was an important thing to make sure doesn't happen because it's not not I, right. You know, it's as, as film viewers, you're like, ah, oh, but like at the same time, you're like, this guy wanted what he believed was fair pay to be in the film. They didn't offer it to him and then they still essentially, like, fine, we'll get someone <laughs> who looks creepy like you and put him in anyway. Yeah, and I think the, the pay wasn't necessarily the issue that Zemeckis and Bob Gale had. It was the, the script, script approval. approval. Yeah. Where it's just like, you're a super weird guy. We're not going to like let our like, huge double, like a trilogy the, depend on you. No producer or studio would sign that over to Crispin Glover. To like, okay, it's like, you can imagine Bob, like the two Bobs going into a meeting with Universal and being like, all right, so the fifth or sixth like lead cast member, sixth bill person in this film is demanding script approval. We got to give it to him. Yeah, we definitely have to. <laughs> no one else wants it, but just this other guy who yeah. really, he'll get like a three minutes of screen time. Yeah. 
Which is essentially what ends up happening. Yeah. And they very kind of cleverly cut around him. Like Sim said, he's upside down yeah. when he arrives. Yeah. Imagine the first time Crispin Glover saw that movie. <laughs> you go, oh, God damn it. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like... Such creative, right? Like, well, we know he likes playing golf from the first movie, so let's just say put his back out and hang him in, like, futuristic traction. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, he's already in old age makeup because he's a yep. grandpa at this point. Like, yep. yeah, nailed it. He chose the worst film to try. And, yeah. like... <laughs> and then, like, they very cleverly, when they reshoot the elements from the first film, they cut around him very nicely, and it's just, yeah. like, a stand-in and... Yep. Yeah. Cause, but there's only, like, one or two shots of him from original footage that they're, like... Where uh, he in the cinema would have been like, I got you now. <laughs> like the footage of him dancing on the yeah, stage. Yeah, like, payday. <laughs> that whole future family is pretty weird. Like, so Marty's daughter is him? Yeah, it's... With a wig on? It's Michael J. Fox in a tour de force performance. <laughs> and was that him, was it? I, it's him as... The lighting was low and I wasn't... Yeah. It's, it's him... <laughs> I thought she was weird looking. <laughs> a bit of a five o'clock shadow. And... <laughs> the, the best thing is, though, he's, so he's playing Marty, like old age Marty, yeah. then he's playing Marty McFly Jr., and then his daughter Marlene McFly. <laughs> <laughs> taken it a little bit far. Yeah, and that's like, I think that's that's why I didn't necessarily find this film dark when I was a kid because it is kind of over the top and cartoony yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my one thing with number two that I'm like rewatching it tonight was a bit. Doc Brown doesn't have much to do in the second one. No, all he does is follow around. He's like, have you got the book? Nope. Damn it, Marty. Just, <sighs> get the book. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed, by the end, he's so frustrated with Marty. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, he just... Like, he has that one wonderful scene where he interacts with his original, like, his 1955 counterpart, yeah, which good. is, like, really sweet and touching. But then... The rest of the time, he's just like, ah, all right, Marty, where, where do you need to go? I guess I'll drop you off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fix the car. Yeah. He just disappears, which I think is nicely a counterpart to the third one, where it's essentially his movie at that point. Yes. That was kind of a flip around, wasn't it? Because the mm. second one had McFly being called chicken so many times, yeah. it actually got painful. What's wrong, McFly? Chicken? Are you chicken? Unless you want everyone in the division to think you're Chicken. Nobody calls me chicken needles. Nobody. Yeah. But then it's set up the third one. They like they're like we have written a super long film. Let's cut it in half. That, that's essentially what it is. I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what um, the writing process was because uh, Zemeckis was off making um, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and yeah. so Bob Gale, who co-wrote the first one with him, uh, they kind of came up with a story together, and then Bob Gale went off and wrote both films by himself and yeah. Zemeckis would kind of give notes and yeah. 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 What was it you mentioned about the tunnel? Oh yeah. The, the tunnel that, that, um, Marty and Biff are doing like the, the coverboard chase and yeah. he's trying to get the almanac. It's the same tunnel that's used as like the entrance to Toontown in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, that is a great scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one? Roger Rabbit or this one? Back to the Future. <laughs> Sorry guys. Roger Rabbit's scene was better. <laughs> <laughs> when they emerge into Toon Town. Yeah, and awesome. he has the cartoon cowboy bullets. Yes. <laughs> There's no manure there. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> the film, like, what were your, what was your initial reaction when the, the town square scene happened in the second one with the hoverboards and it is essentially a shot-for-shot shot remake of... Well, yeah, I haven't seen the first one enough to, to know... Like, I recognise plenty of it. I'm like, like, this is the... like. 
what does he do in the in the first film? He it's not even a skateboard that he takes. Well, he goes over to the little kid who has like the box cart on That's top of this, right, and yeah. he does the same with the hoverboard. The little girl's one has a handle thing that he rips off. Like yeah, it's even. He does the conversion. Then he loops around. Then he grabs onto the back of a car. Yeah. Um, Something very familiar about all this. But I did like you know the fact that it didn't work work on water. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like the way that sort of evolved into him like. <laughs> Like we were talking about during the film, he's not afraid to hurt people. No. I mean, granted, they were trying to knock his head off, so he, it was self-defense. But he sends Griff and his gang flying. <laughs> but, but they seem perfectly fine. They just get arrested and go to jail. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> their lives are destroyed. That's okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but their lives, but they were kind of jerks. So. They were massive jerks. No, there's, you know, definitely painted as clear-cut villains. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and did you pick the wonderful little uh, first acting role in the uh, 80s cafe? No, I did not. Oh, when the little boy was playing Wild wild Gunman? No, who was we, we were giggling. Yeah, I know you were giggling. We were trying to get you to pick him. <laughs> it's little Frodo. It's little Elijah Wood. It's Elijah Wood, right? <laughs> yeah, in his oh, first now role. I need to see it again. <laughs> was, yeah, because you were giggling. Like, who would have been the right age at that time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like little seven or eight-year-old Elijah Wood. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, I always forget how young he was when he started appearing in oh, yeah. like, bigger roles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I do like how the transition, like back to the West, like made it like for, for th- number three, um, moved it quite quickly from se- very familiar settings and stuff to a totally different setting. Yeah. Very adventurous setting, but still very in keeping with the film. Still the same town, but they didn't really... They, they had the clock tower being built and, and a saloon to replace the cafe. Really. Yeah, essentially. Um, so it, it is that Familiar kind of, enough. It's the same but different, but yeah. like enough to make you kind of disassociate and be like, oh, we are doing something. Yeah. It's not the third film where it's like, oh my God, we're in a cafe again at the town square. Like, yeah, yeah, like it was still out there like, okay, let's give them familiar this is this is what the series stands for mm. but they made it different enough and then they stayed in the west setting and you know and did a western essentially yeah, yeah they did they did a good western and mm. there was some fantastic um like the scene of them um on catching up with the train and like climbing over like jumping onto the train and climbing up onto the roof and jumping and then working their way up to the lead carriage to take over the train and stuff it was just really well shot mm, <laughs> just yeah. a really good scene that's awesome camera angles and then the way they were just like this is full full western, really, for a light-hearted version, anyway. Um, um, before we jump fully into number three, oh yeah. um, I think number two, what how it works like really effectively for me is the kind of the playful tension they manage to build, like mm. the going back into the elements of the first film, and like you, you made a point when we were watching number three that there's not necessarily the high amount of tension and kind of the ticking clock element as there was in number two with yeah. like the, the almanac and needing to get it and it's like this not running into yourself you, you mentioned it was like playing a stealth video game yes like mm. I've been playing Metal Gear Solid recently and it's just all about self and I th- thought I was playing it basically it's all about <laughs> like you just spot your enemies and avoid them <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like it was like watching himself it reminded me of Harry Potter 3. Oh, yeah. With good the time. Yeah, time. yeah. I'm like, this reminds me of another film. What is it? Harry Potter 3. <laughs> it's, it's essentially like from when they get to the da- the Fish Under the Sea dance, or Enchantment yeah. Under the Sea. I always, oh, like, it's, yes. made, it's the, that's the line from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they get to the dance, it's kind of non-stop 
playful tension, like Strickland coming up and taking the magazine and the, yeah. the book, and then Marty sneaking into his office, and it's yeah. at no point do you feel really danger, but you're just like, oh god, you're like come on, it's that fun kind of Biff's gonna catch you. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> and like builds him up as a seriously horrible human being. Yeah, like, more so than you already already thought. Yeah, because if you don't get that book, the world's gonna turn to a nightmare hellscape. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the book ended up being ooh la la and oh. <laughs> ooh la la. It's so much fun. It is just that, like, kind of really drawing it out in this beautiful kind of playing with, uh, you know, just mood and tension. It's great. Mm. And then you lead left with the ending, which I kind of wanted to get your on number gauge. two. Yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Like, you just that that that, that they done the little setup subtly with the obviously the whichever meter top meter or whatever it was on the um the time machine flashing and being a little bit broken. Mm. And then the um, the lightning storm and stuff, and then um, I mean I, I know there's a sequel. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. if I'd seen it in cinemas without knowing the sequel and knowing that the, I was pretty certain it was a Wild West setting, and I was yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but um, if I hadn't known that was coming, like awesome. <laughs> did it? At least, I still thought it was great. Did it at least grab you in the sense of like what is going to happen now? Yeah, <laughs> like it did how? Because I wasn't sure how they. I, as the film unfolded, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're not going to go back there on purpose. Yeah. Something's going to drag them back there. They've dropped what, how much he likes the West anyway. Or yeah. He's always loved the it's, idea. It's a wonderful little plant. Little plant is, yeah. And it's even to the extent of uh, Biff is watching Fistful of Dollars yes. where Marty ah. gets the idea that ends up paying off in the third. Yeah. Like, it's and that's just... it. Like, watching the third movie, I'm like, Marty's probably going to wear body armor in the, in the, in the gunfight, even mm. though... Because he caught Biff watching it. Yeah. And then as soon as that piece of metal fell off the thing, I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it nailed it. <laughs> what about when the DeLorean got struck by lightning? Yeah. And every, did you notice everything went silent? No, I didn't really. There's I, no I, sound I, of the storm or the rain. It just kind of all drops yeah. away and all you're left with is... Is him, him on the walkie-talkie. Yeah, the I guess spice. I didn't notice that specifically. But, like, the, there was definitely an immediate change in tone. Mm. Like, to just ram home that... Uh, this wasn't meant to happen at all. Yeah. What has happened? And, and then you get the ominous car pull up and it's like creepy figure until you realise it's Joe Flaherty and you're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> you suck, you duckass. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Comedy man delivers yeah, the news. The thing that I wasn't sure about, I'm like, surely not, but because they've been dropping the lines about him having that car accident. Yes. I'm like, will that be now? Ooh. Even though, like, playing chicken with a car, I'm like, this doesn't really seem like the right time, but I'm like, doesn't seem right. Anyway, mm. I suppose that is some, this will come back sometime. Yeah, it's such a big like element of the second film that yeah. like, it doesn't come back until the very end of the third. But yeah, I did like how um, go in the in the second <coughs> one when they went into the future to you know um, do something about his kids. And like maybe it came down to the fact they never planned a sequel. As soon as they got there, they realised you can't really change the future by being in it. Yes, you have to go. Back to change the future. Yeah. Um, so as soon as they went to the future and let someone else get their hands on the time machine, well done, old Biff, for figuring out how to go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> and as well, like, perfectly set up before the title sequence even, when mm. it's like, you have uh, 85 nuded Biff noticing, like, a flying <laughs> yes. DeLorean. And, yep. and that instantly, like, you mentioned, you were like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just perfectly sets up. Okay, something's going to happen with bit like it's yeah because yeah. these films are way made way too cleverly like they they keep <laughs> all that that's in there for a reason. There's no wasted scenes. There's no wasted little things. It's mm. either a nod to something that's already happened or the setting up something important. They yeah. don't leave you going. 
How did he know? Yeah. They go, no, we, we set that up. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to, I really hope that Back to the Future 2 was a big inspiration for Christopher Nolan. <laughs> for like Inception. Oh, for Inception, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, was there anything else like that we haven't touched on in number two before we jump on over to number three? Or we kind of... Ooh, there was a, a cameo by a certain fleet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Who, uh, that who did he play again? It was um, Needles. That's right, oh, Needles. Oh, no. <laughs> Anthony Keaties gets Point Break. Flea gets Back to the Future. Yeah, pretty good. Well, that, that's like yeah, I think. <laughs> and it's like the continuing um, kind of trope of these films is having musician cameo. Yeah, you have Huey Lewis in the first one. You've got Flea in this, and then you've got ZZ Top in the third. Yes. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Just like these little things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just small and not overdoing it. Not like here, has like like Hook. Yeah. <laughs> like, Where Phil Collins plays a, a British police officer. Like, why? What? Yeah. And, like, and David Crosby as well is in yeah. there. Like, just like George Lucas for some reason. I mean, you know why, but yeah. Yeah, yeah next time you watch Hook, when the they like come home and the Hook has taken the kids and they mm. like call the Rob Williams and his wife, like, call the police. The police investigator that comes around the house is Phil Collins. <laughs> I did not see that coming. It's so right. pointless, like most of that movie. <laughs> Zing! I fitted that one in there. Any, anytime I can get my jabs in at Hook. <laughs> Just a punch to the kidneys. Mm. Um, uh, do you guys want to hear a little bit of mm. trivia in terms of uh, how this film went and like reception-wise before we yes. jump into number three? Yeah. Yep. Um, so it had a budget of $40 million dollars. Um, and went on to gross nearly $332 million at the global box office. That's not surprising. <laughs> yep. Uh, adjusted for inflation, that's about uh, $689 million. Wow. Weirdly, though, it was only the third highest grossing film of 1989. What else was in 1989? Is there a um, Batman movie? The highest grossing film of 1989 was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it did come in ahead of a previous film we've done on this show, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Speaking of time travel. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of time travel movies that year. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award as well for uh, Best Visual Effects. I think yeah. deservedly Actually, so. Actually, that was something I was thinking I was watching it. The the CGI, particularly in the future, of like the DeLorean like lifting up out of the alleyway and flying. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually still done very well like it's obviously computerized but it just fitted in with it nicely and it, they, they merge it really well with like obviously the practical car that's on a gimbal like coming yes. into the landing mm. shots they used the practical car as much as they could and then also the like in 1989 to successfully have the same actor playing three different roles and interacting with each yes. other in the same scene mm. they do it really well yeah no no like that was done very well mm. um, no real obvious way and like not like just cut, 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 cut. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like they're, they're side by side. That's that's difficult to do at the best of times. Yeah, there's some really cool like online documentaries and things about how they managed to do that. And uh, mm. there's a really wonderful YouTube channel called uh, Captain Disillusion who debunks kind of that sort of stuff. Urban, urban legend YouTube videos uh, and how it proves how they were all just special effects and CGI and uh, fakes. Cool. Yep. And um, he loves Back to the Future, so he did like a two-part special breaking down how groundbreaking and interesting these special yeah. effects were. So, recommend. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it didn't win the Oscar that year. Aww. It lost it to a, The Abyss, the James Cameron ah. movie oh, with yeah, Underwater okay. Aliens. Yep. Yeah, we, yeah, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, that water sprite, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you win. <laughs> you have this one. Mm. But, um... I dig this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Very, very good. Mm. So, move on to uh, number three, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Did you have a favourite, Sim, two or three? 
Three. Yeah. Three for sure. So, two, oh. Awesome. I, I find most people go for two as their, no. like, out of two and three. Like, number one's clearly the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one's just too original and just so well ex- executed. Mm. Nah, two is still great, but... um, Three just brings it home strong. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's such a diverse environment as mm. well, and yeah, it's good. I think three gets back to the fun of the first one. Like, number two gets a little... I, I love it for doing this because it's different, but it, get, yeah. it gets bogged down in the paradoxical and the, yes. the kind of weaving and playing with the nature of time travel. Yeah. And number three gets back to, no, we're just going to have a fun adventure yeah. now. So number two is really necessary, set it all up, made you understand the ramifications of everything. And number three is just like, okay, what do we want to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always, Zemeckis is like, I always wanted to make a Western. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, three three was just a lot of fun. Like the the, the set design, and everything was really nicely done. They did the West, kept it dirty enough, but without being too true to the Wild <laughs> West. And um, they very easily and quickly get back there as well. It's just that simple thing of, yes. Oh yeah, Doc just put the Delorean away. You're like go get it. <laughs> yeah, they don't <laughs> muck around. They're like, we've got to get him back there somehow. Let's yeah, just... I think it's like within ten minutes he's you know yeah. at, they're at the drive-in and he's yeah. <laughs> going back. So yeah. It was so funny that, like, when he's like, "I'll oh, hit the, the hit the Indians," like, "No, no, when you get there, that won't be built yet." I'm like, "Well, there's clearly going to be a pack of Indians." <laughs> well, it's it's the same thing as like in the first one. Yes. It's the um, you know, the movie theater at the end. Like, it's, oh, yeah, it always right. ends up happening. And, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it's such a simple thing to get them trapped in the Western environment is like, and Marty not understanding that that's a big deal. It's like, yeah, I just tore the fuel line. Yes. <laughs> yep. It, big deal. Yeah, it, it, it's just a, like, really simple, like, and something that would probably happen, given, like, you know. Yeah, it's easy enough, simple thing, and, like, it's not like I tore the quantum carburetor. Yeah, it, it's not like, oh, God, we need a microchip and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, no, that is a weak part, point in the car. Mm. Cool, damn. Mm. All right, let's move on with the fun story. Yeah, then enter Seamus McFly. The, uh, yes. The Scottish with an Irish accent. Maggie! Fetch some water, we got a hard here! Yeah, the <laughs> Irish first name, Scottish surname. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael J. Fox doing his damnedest. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do like how they managed to weave Leah Thompson back in, uh, who's, who plays Lorraine yes. in all of them. It's like, we, we, we can't, we got to get her in there somehow. And, yeah. yeah, it's nice. Do that you reckon she's... if Crispin Glover was still involved, he would have played old McFly in that one? No, I think especially based off of what they did in number two. Oh, but with, if he'd been in both, though, like... No, I still think based on Michael J. Fox, like, the, the playing multiple character things, I think that's... You've established that now, that it's fun to kind of yeah. continue yeah. that on. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, I just like the town set up, and as soon as you hit the barn, like, it's just his outfit. <laughs> <laughs> no, the circus was in town. Oh God, I love that guy. The best old western voice yes. ever. I know he had so much, so many things to say. Yeah, I, he had a lot I to say. It was amazing. Um, his, his name's like, um, like Pat Batram or something. He's a voiceover artist. Like he, yeah, I reckon I've heard him in things. He was in like so many old Disney films, like uh, the Robin, uh, Disney Robin the Hood, um, Fox and the Hound. Oh, Even going, he did voices of like Rugrats and like the Garfield and Friends yeah. animated show. Like, yeah, just because yeah. of that. <laughs> just, it's so distinct. It's, it's so that, distinctive, exactly. Yeah. Everybody everywhere will say Clint Eastwood is the biggest yellow belly in the West. But when uh, Mad Dog was shooting at 
Marty's feet <laughs> yes. and he started moonwalking. Oh, magic. <laughs> that, was, that was great. <laughs> just shuts the whole bar up and it's like, what is that? <laughs> and then he hits him with a spittoon. Yeah. Which is, I think, ground for a lynching. <laughs> spittoon would be that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was a very full spittoon too, so when did that last get cleaned out? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's worse than manure. <laughs> yeah, Apparently, like, during that lint, that whole lynching scene, um, mm. they were kind of... had the rope and things around Michael J. Fox's neck, and apparently they pulled him too hard. He actually lost consciousness. Oh, wow. Okay. I was thinking that he looked a little bit like yeah. red in the face, and, like, the veins were popping out of his neck. Yeah, but apparently he did, like... Get hung for a little bit by accident. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he only weighed sixty kilograms, but he actually weighed sixty-five. Oh boy. <laughs> Got to account for that with rope tension. On that note, can we talk about how much, how many concussions Marty like oh sustains? <laughs> there is no way. Like in the eighties, old Biff looks like he probably had some brain damage somewhere along the way. Like yeah. he got neutered, like you said. He seems to eat a lot of manure. So yes, <laughs> he got some like um, nitrous poisoning or something. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> something. Um, but it's... yeah, Marty. Like when you think about how long between the three films, it's honestly performed over the space of like t- two weeks. Or yeah, something. it's like, like I think two or three weeks total is he, like he what gets it ends concussed, up being. Like. Mm. Three times in like the second, third films alone, let alone yeah. concussed at least once in the first one. Yeah, he gets hit by the car yeah. and like, no. yeah. So he cops like three or four concussions in the space of two weeks. <laughs> Not yeah. to mention all the fist fights he gets in. <laughs> yeah, so his cool. only rest and rest in quotation marks. He's unconscious. So he's not <laughs> rest. The only time he sleeps is induced sleep. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, he doesn't get much rest at all in, the, in between the films. Mm. But yeah, you were talking about the um, the urgency and that the only urgency in the um, in the third film, which is pretty real for a while, is um, okay. We've got to get to the um, we've got to get out of here before you get shot on the Monday. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You could just go hide for a while. Yeah, you just leave town. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I know it's not necessarily the easiest solution, but you could just. Yeah, lay low and then just hijack the train. It's one of those nitpicky <laughs> things. Of yeah. Like, yeah, but without it, there's like if they did that, yeah. there's no movie. Exactly <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. So um, the actual train heist part, like that, was really epic. Yeah, um, I, I really liked that. But because um, you were kind of made the offhand comment, like a post gunfight. Once that kind of threat is subsided yeah. you, you're just like oh where's the you could take the train any time it rolls through town now yeah there's, there's no real kind of yeah urgency but yeah, then they're all mentally set and it just just rolled through beautifully but I think the like, combination of the way it's shot the actual set piece itself of mm. a like speeding train yeah and combine that with Alan, Alan Silvestri's amazing score you're just mm. like yes this is awesome I'm yeah. having so much fun yeah, <laughs> yeah I am on board and the like yeah. kind of so adding in the kind of I guess sci-fi like esque element of like the coloured smoke as well oh, coming that's right. yeah. just these little simple image and like representative of what's happening in the engine like the combustion things and, yeah um, it just adds that extra bit of element of risk and things like that just visually hmm. um, really well shot some of those beautiful like cameras set up near the wheels of the train and then like the shot of Doc Brown on the front of the train realising how on earth do I jump onto a moving car <laughs> it's great yeah um, how did you find like you mentioned it earlier the Marty's continual being called chicken and like not being able to back down yeah I found 
Oh, no, so you're good. Oh, no, I was just going to ask, like, did you think the resolution of that kind of element, I guess, worked? Or, like, had been properly set up for the growth and development? It was I almost over-set up. Yeah. Like, the second <laughs> film already, like, before someone even telling him he needed to calm down, it's like, man, you've got to stop taking the bait. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even like he was... That was never... That was... Yeah, it was done a lot of times. He got called chicken multiple times in the second film. And um, it wasn't even like... He was doing it to be particularly tough. He did it in the first one to stand up to Biff. In the second one... Um, oh, Needles wanted him to swipe his card. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, this feels a bit forced. And then he learned that, oh, this, this is what changed his life um, with the car accident and it's stuff. his mm. inability to back down from a challenge. Yeah, or, but yeah. you never really get a lot of that. He's definitely an, a, a cocky kind of guy, and that's what makes him so charismatic and, um, and likeable as well, because he's also loyal. But also, you just, I don't know, you don't quite understand exactly why he can't back down from a challenge. It, it seems like almost an added element that they introduced in the second film yeah. so that Marty could have some growth yeah. over the course of the, the trilogy. Yeah, I and it gave his, like, the, um, his future self, his kids, it actually still addressed the issue of why his kids turned out the way they did. Yeah. It's because he couldn't back down, was in an accident, changed his life. So you go ahead and try and change the kids as much as you want. It's too late. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the thing that actually needs changing is, is you. you. Yeah. Right. Which ends up yeah. happening. Mm. But it's, yeah, it, like the actual resolution of like when that occurs, did you find that a kind of satisfying? Oh, uh, in the um, in the saloon where yeah. they're kind of like, you're going to be the yellowest belly so-and-so in all of the Wild West. And, and his wonderful comeback to yes. <laughs> He's an asshole. I don't care what Tannen says, and I don't care what anybody else says either. Yeah, I think that was that was pretty decent. I mean, there's, it's hard to it's a hard one to do. They they kind of plant the seed with Doc in the previous scene, kind of saying like, "This is your issue. You need to come to terms." Yeah, with they've it. been sort of feeding them that little little fire mm. um, for a while, and he was he was able to recognise that it was unnecessary. It's yeah, like, hang on, I'm entering a gun. I mean, in fact, it took a gunfight for him to realise that. <laughs> yeah, but. I guess, what, what is it, Sim, that makes you love these films? Yeah. Well, just the adventure, really. Um, I think the score has a lot to do with it. It's, it's, it's right. funny, but it just draws me in. And like I was saying before, that I was expecting, because I've seen these films so many times, and I love them, but today I was sort of expecting to, you know, look at it and get all the little bits and pieces out of it. But I ended up just watching the movie again. Mm. Yeah, you just get, you can't help but get, like, yeah, drawn in. enjoying it as much as I did the first time. So, yeah, I think I think the adventure just, just sucks you in, mm. really. And probably something I really attached with more and more with, with 2 and 3 was the ongoing development of Doc Brown and Marty yeah. and their mm. relationship. Like, Christopher Lloyd's performance at The Wacky Scientist just goes... Not really to the next level, but he just maintains and his consistency and those like shock faces and noises. Mm. But oh, do you remember when he was uh, reading the letter that, yes. that his eighteen eighty five self <laughs> yes. wrote to Marty? Yeah, and he started breaking up towards the end when it was getting quite emotional. And so, Marty, I now say farewell and wish you Godspeed. You've been a good, kind, and loyal friend to me, and you made a real difference in my life. I will always treasure our relationship. And think on you with fond memories, warm feelings, and a special place in my heart. Your friend in time, Doc, M. L. Brown, 
September 1st, 1885. I never knew I could write anything no, so touching. No, Jack, it's beautiful. I was like going like, whoa. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was such a heartfelt whoa. letter. Yeah. Uh, there are so many times in these films where like I feel my heart kind of skipping a beat and I'm get like really goosebumps. I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. You get, you get caught up in the like... The emotion and the adventure of everything. Yeah, because like with the first film, you, you never question why the, this child is friends with this old scientist. Yeah. Um, they just get along. And with this, all it does is just get reinforced. There's natural chemistry there. And for whatever it is, they're, they're, they're very loyal to each other. And obviously now they're deep into their heads in time travel paradoxes. Mm. Um, but, you know, they stand up and look out for each other as well. And, and the film never forgets that at its core it's about their friendship. And, yes. like, beautifully ties that up at the end with I've got you a souvenir and it's the framed picture of the two of them, like, in front of a, a clock. Like, yes. it, it's so... The clock which is central to all the films. Yeah, it's, it's uh, this nice little... I, I do like, did find it funny, though, about how his whole lesson that Doc Brown learnt was time travel is bad, and then he makes another time machine. I know, just so he can come <laughs> back and say hi to Marty one last time. <laughs> and this one's much less subtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah! How did no one see that? Like, <laughs> well, they were kind of, you know, they were a good, you know, 50 metres away from the road. And no, so. one, no one looks down there. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, they're, they're, that bond was something that I, I really got as well. Mm. Like, uh, I really enjoyed both of their performances, um, I mean, um, Michael J. Fox playing all of his characters, but Marty primarily, of course. Yeah, and um, and Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown, and then together they're just just great. It, it's one of the great cinematic pairings, I think. Yeah, it's a really really good one. Yeah. I think um, now they're a fantastic pairing. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about like iconic duos, yeah, comedic duos, um, and we we're talking about Dumb and Dumber and things like that. This is a duo now, like having oh, now me sure. having seen all three. I'm like, what a duo! Yeah, <laughs> and they they interplay and like, it's so wonderful. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. their continual just the banter that keeps referring back and forth and back and forth, and then the subtlety in like the third one of Marty, like they're swapping the catchphrases and oh. yes. Great Scott. Heavy. Do you remember once in a while I'd cut to uh, the dock with a magnifying glass and he'd yeah. go over his mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just great little, do- yeah, I'm yeah, um, like photography sort of decisions and things like that. And Christopher Lloyd just perfect for them. They're, they're a type of film where you're just like, man, everyone looks like they're having so much yes. fun making this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Leah Thompson just owning all her characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Steenburgen coming in in the third one as well. Yeah, like, she was great. Yep. Yep. Did, like, not much, but like, she. She's a believable romantic interest of Doc, and you, yeah, she's charming and sweet, and you just it's like, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, she didn't need to be too much, yeah. Um, so she didn't have a lot to work with, mm. but what she had was was well written, and she nailed it. Yeah, and the Doc seeing the Doc in love was really nice. It's yeah, it's like, that. You, you wouldn't pick that that would happen from the first films, and how is that going to be nothing but cheesy? But like, like oh. He's happy. Yeah, and I think that boils down to, like, the strong performances from Christopher Lloyd and mm. Mary Steenburgen, like, developing Doc beyond a kind of cartoon mad scientist to yep. genuine person. Yes. Mm. So, um, no, all round, just big thumbs up. That was one that uh, young Eric would have liked, definitely. Yep. <laughs> the trilogy would have been fantastic to a grown-up watching. Um, but, no, still fantastic to watch now. Yep. As an adult, you, do you think you're going to go back to them? Uh, yeah, I, I would watch them again. Yeah. Um, I don't know how soon it'll be. I don't watch that many movies. So that's, <laughs> that's, hence this whole thing exists. Outside of the podcast. <laughs> I, I try, but there's just there's not enough time. Mm. Um, but uh, no, if, if, if you know they got popped on, I'd probably quite happily just keep rolling through. Mm. 
Um, do you want to hear again a little bit of info about this one? Yeah. Uh, again, it had a budget of forty million, so like eighty for the kind of two film mm-hmm. production, and uh, this one went on to gross uh, two hundred and forty-four million, so a, a fair bit less than the second one. So I guess the second one lost a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, adjusted for I think maybe because of the darkness, I guess. But yeah. Adjusted for inflation, it's about uh, four hundred and seventy-three million. Yeah. Uh, it was the sixth highest-grossing film of nineteen ninety, uh, coming in behind a previous film, Home Alone. Oh. Oh, yeah. Which was number two that year, mm-hmm. with number one being Ghost. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I guess any closing thoughts? Like, Sim, what, what's your takeaway and, like, your, your kind of parting thoughts on Back to the Future? Whew, I guess that you can watch it as many times as possible and it never gets old. I guess that's that's my main take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, How many times do you reckon you've probably seen them? Whew, I think... Back to the Future, either one, two, or three, over the 90s, that was like a staple Saturday night, free-to-air TV movie. Mm. So, <laughs> I'd see it probably once every three months or something, yeah. so, to be honest. <laughs> a lot, a lot. And still today, you got you couldn't help but get caught up. And, nah, yeah. 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 I mean, you own, you own his hat. His future hat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a lovely <laughs> and, and the out of time number plate. I think you both yeah. do, don't you? Uh, I've got the hat, yeah. You got the hat, yeah. <laughs> that hat is great. Mm. But don't wear it to a music festival or oh. you'll, you'll talk to 30 more people than you, than really you were expecting to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I guess unless we got any final thoughts on uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3, that might wrap us up for this episode. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's about it. Hmm. Um, I think they were uh, good choices to kind of, uh, or good luck that we ended the uh, this season on that one. Was, yeah, like to, to end this season on the on the, the double header was just pure chance. It, it ended it, up yeah. perfect. Um, so I guess what we're gonna we're not gonna pull a film out of the hat uh, for the no, next episode. We've we're gonna have a, a review episode um, where we're gonna sort of go back over all the films we've seen and have a little bit of a chat about. Um, Sort of, uh, we'll identify a few key areas we want to talk about. Like maybe I, I we're thinking of reflecting on um, my surprise packet, my favourite film, the one I wouldn't bother rewatching, my new favourite actor, etc. A, a season wrap up, I guess. Yeah, a wrap up of everything we've watched, everything I've learnt, um, everything I'm really sad about missing as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and there uh, within that episode, we'll introduce our next batch for season two. We've got uh, twenty five, I think. Yeah. Drawn up again. Yeah, 24 or 20. I think, yeah, 25 films for our season two. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, be revealing them in the next episode and uh, chucking them in the hat and uh, getting it rolling for, yeah, the yep. next season. Yep. So, but, yeah, um, get excited. I, yeah, I guess uh, wrapping <laughs> this one up, uh, thank you all for listening to uh, season one and I hope you've enjoyed it and tune in for the wrap up. But um, otherwise, thanks, Sim, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for yeah, having thank me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, if you want to. Send us an email or suggest some films for the hat. We haven't quite locked in the lineup yet for season two. So you can send us an email with some suggestions at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Uh, otherwise, we'll speak to you in a fortnight's time. Uh, for this episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. And I'm Simon. We'll catch you soon. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.